Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. We are in a series called What Do We Believe? Um, We looked at what we believe about the Father, God the Father, and we looked at Exodus 33 where Moses says, show me your glory. And God hides him in the cleft of the rock and he walks by, not allowing him to see his face. And while he does, he proclaims Yahweh to Moses, which is a big deal. And we talked about all that that meant and learning about God the Father. We examined the Lord Jesus Christ in John 1, who he is and what he has done for us and what he does for us. And in John 1, we learned that Jesus existed before beginning began. In beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14 says, And we beheld His glory as the Word became flesh, the only glory as the only begotten from the Father. <clears throat> so we talked about Jesus being fully God, fully man, and dying for you and for me and living again. And that's how we have eternal life. And so now we're moving into what we believe <clears throat> about the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk this morning and next Sunday about the Holy Spirit. This Sunday, I want to talk more about who the Holy Spirit is, and next Sunday, what the Holy Spirit does for us, to us, in us, and through us. But who is the Holy Spirit? As we look at this and what we believe about God, we discover that God is a triunity or trinity. And we know that that word is not used in the Bible, but we want to describe the verses that clearly depict God in a triunity very clearly. And the reason why is so you and I can get to know God, what He's like, how He works, how He relates. Also, when you get that knock on the door and there's some people at your door saying, hey, can we sell you an awake or a watchtower or a Book of Mormons, Pearl of Great Price, or any of the other doctrines, documents, you'll know how to answer because they're very sweet people, very, very nice, but they have a different gospel and worship a different Savior. I remember one time someone came and knocked on our door, and it was a group of ladies, and they had been working the street, and it was very, very hot that day, probably almost 100 degrees. And as they came to the door, and I opened the door and said, hey, how you doing? And we began to talk, and one of them fainted. And it was kind of like, hallelujah. No, not really. <clears throat> they fainted probably from dehydration or exhaustion or something like that. And we were like very sympathetic. Hey, come in the house, get cool. We'll give you some water. And we began to talk. And as we began to talk, I just said, hey, let me get, let me get to the bottom line. Um, I, I approach scripture very differently. I let the Bible interpret itself. I don't need another magazine or book to do it for me. We do it ourselves. That's who we are. We read the Bible for ourselves. And I believe fully that Jesus is God. And they go, oh, you're one of those. Yeah, I am. And, and they said, well, actually, Trinity isn't even in the Bible. And I said, well, I'm aware of that. And they said, well, you know that Jesus isn't really God. And then I said, well, John 1, Colossians 2, Philippians 2, Hebrews 1, pretty well says it. Anyway, we got into a nice conversation, very, not argumentative, just, just a very nice conversation. And I showed them some verses that I want to show you now that depict the deity of Jesus, the deity of the Holy Spirit, and the deity of the Father, and the three in one. Look with me in your Bibles, or just look on the screen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. 
1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. And I want you to see and look at, before we look at this verse, I want you to look at the uniqueness and the separate identity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. With a backdrop that many people confuse the Trinity with saying that there are three gods, which is wrong, which is wrong. Muslims think that you and I worship three gods. They'll even say that. They say, no, 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 we don't. But it's also equally wrong to say that there is one God that manifests himself in three different ways. That's called modalism or Sabellianism. This guy named Sibelius, 1800-ish years ago, came up with this theory. I call it the Clark Kent theory, to where God would run into a phone booth and then he pops out in the Old Testament, he's the father. He goes in the phone booth again and he pops back out in the, in the New Testament in the gospel period and he's Jesus. And then he goes in the phone booth and he pops back out and he's the Holy Spirit in the church age that he has a mode, he's modalistic, he flips from one to the other and he reveals himself in different ways like he is a, he is a divine chameleon. It's just wrong. Because these verses will show you simultaneously with distinct personhood, all three show up. So 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Peter, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the chosen who are dispersed or exiles, living dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, chosen. He goes back to that word again, follow the language, Peter, to the chosen then he makes a parenthetical thought of who they are. Then he goes back to chosen. How are they chosen? Number one, by God the Father chose them according to his foreknowledge, right? It's the job of the Father. Your relationship with the Father, you are chosen, you are redeemed, you are forgiven, you are adopted. This is all this relational, forensic, doctrinal, contractual agreements by the foreknowledge of God accomplishing it. That's what the Father does. And then he says, through that preposition is by means of, through the sanctifying work of who? The Spirit, unique and distinct. So what is the sanctifying work of the Spirit? Well, it results in, look at the infinitive, to, that's the goal, obedience. So the Father chooses, the Holy Spirit sanctifies to the point that you become obedient. You, you, you just get better, you just do. It's, in fact, if, if you are not growing in, in your consciousness of sin, learning to stay away from the things that offend, the God, offend God or grieve the Spirit, then it might be that you need to go back and make sure you're a child of God because when the Father chooses, the Spirit sanctifies and then that second infinitive to the sprinkling of the blood of the Son of God. So the sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So there you have the Trinity in, your, in, in the way in which He saves you, which by the way, is a big deal. It's got to be the most important subject on your plate. If it's not, then you don't see life and eternity correctly. If you're just going through the motions of life from one adrenaline to the next, or one paycheck to the next, or one friend, spouse, whatever to the next, you're just missing it. Because salvation is all-encompassing. It is fully orbed, not only of eternity in the future, of living with God in heaven forever and ever, but it's here, now, to accomplish what we just read. Let's go to the next verse. And it's just beautiful. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the Great Commission. 
Jesus came near. So he raises from the dead. This is where we are in the storyline. Jesus uh, is born. He lives a perfect life. He is crucified on the cross. He raises again from the dead, and he spends this time with people, and this is the last moment he's with the disciples. In fact, he says, meet me on the hill in, in Galilee, and they all go to probably Mount Arbel, and they're standing there waiting, and Jesus comes up, and they're just like, this is awesome. Jesus just rose from the dead. And we're with him, and we're his disciples, and we sacrificed all this time to be with him. Now it's our turn. And Jesus says, you're right, now it's your turn. Look at what he says. Jesus came near and he said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, or as you're going, therefore, make disciples of all ethnos, ethnos, nations, people groups, all colors of people, all languages. That village where that guy got beat up by that, that gun, that, that soldier who beat him up, he spoke a language that our missionary couldn't even speak. It was, it was, a, it was a dialect that he, he had heard of that language, but he didn't know it. And let me tell you, when Jesus made this statement on Mount Arbel in Galilee, he was talking about that man who was speaking another language that we hadn't heard. Jesus had heard that language. He knew exactly who that people group is from that very moment. So, but let's get back to the sermon. So he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There you have the three. Simultaneously, with distinction, and there it is. Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Next verse, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. When Jesus was baptized, do you remember John baptized Jesus? Remember the scene? Matthew chapter 3. He went up immediately from the water. In fact, an exact translation. I'm, I'm going to chase another rabbit. Just bear with me. Taking an excursion. You'll have your travel guide with you when we do this. So, so you'll be safe. Just stay together. Hold hands. Here we go. Lily says he came up out of the water. It doesn't say the water came down upon. It says Jesus himself came up out of the water. That's biblical baptism, by the way. Now let's get back to the sermon. So he says, look what happened. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove or as a dove, genitive of apposition, as a dove would. So it doesn't say the Spirit took the form of a dove and landed on him and they go, oh, look at that pretty dove. Here's what it says, literally. The Spirit came and just like a dove would land on a, on a limb, so the Spirit of God came and they saw it. They saw the Spirit of God land on Jesus. And he was filled, Jesus was filled with the second person of the Trinity. The incarnate Christ, who laid aside the prerogative of all of his deity, was then filled and empowered, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him at the time while the Father said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased right there. So there you have the Trinity defined, explained, in high definition motion picture of them working together. So if someone says, look, the Trinity is not real, or you don't see the word tri Trinity in the Bible, you say, you don't see the word, 
but you do see the Trinity. It's very clear. So, but I want you to see the distinction of the Holy Spirit. Some would say that the Holy Spirit is just God because God is spirit. And that when you talk about the Father and the Father's invisible and he he has a spiritual nature as opposed to a a physical nature, that Holy Spirit just means God is around. No, 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 It's, it's much deeper than that. The Holy Spirit is a unique person with, and he has the very characteristic of divine nature. Number one, he is omnipotent. He has omnipotence. He is omni, meaning all, potent, all powerful. Genesis chapter one, verse two, there he is in the creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then it says the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters and says, let there be light. The Holy Spirit is involved in creation. Number two, there is omnipresence or omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. Psalm 139, 7 says, Where can I go to escape your presence, to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the grave or to Sheol, you are there. You are everywhere. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. And then there is omniscience or omniscience, all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love Him. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything. You know, the Spirit knows your thoughts. Here's how this gets very applicable to you and to me. The Spirit of God that knows your heart and is everywhere can bring things up to the surface that you're even unaware of. Hurts and pains, selfish motives that you barely even know are there, these underlying currents that are somewhat subliminal that really make you, you. And there's these bugs or these things within me These things that are, whether it's bad habits or uh, something that I picked up along the way or just flat out sinful nature, that the spirit that knows everything, everything about me can bring it up to the top and now I have a choice. What am I going to do with it? How am I going to respond when the spirit says, hey, uh, I'm looking at this part of your life right now. What do you think about that? How can we deal with this? You want to, you want to, one of the guys that discipled me, he was a leftover hippie. And he would always say, um, uh, he'd say, you know, some church organizations and real religious people will say, hey man, wash your face and we'll love you. But Jesus just says, I love you. You want to wash your face? So the Father who adopts you, the Spirit begins to sanctify you by the sprinkled blood of Jesus. And this is something he brings up to the surface. And you can deal with it or you can ignore it, but he doesn't ignore it. He helps you and me deal with it because he searches. He knows everything about you all the time. And so he's omniscient. But I also want you to see that not only is he God in nature, but he's unique in person, personhood. And what is a person? A person is someone with soul, someone that has mind and will and emotion. And the Spirit uniquely has a will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 says, one and the same spirit is active in all these, in other words, all these gifts in all the body. This is a passage dealing with the body of Christ has gifts 
You, as a Christian, have a gift given to you by the Holy Spirit. Now, how did you get it? According to this text, you got it because He wills. In fact, I would argue that this translation, the word he, should be capitalized to identify. There's no capitalization in the Greek language, or at least not in the text here. There isn't Greek, but not in this text. They, they don't necessarily capitalize those personal pronouns like you and I do. So when you translate it, you and I have a decision to make. Is the he the person receiving the gift, or is the he the Holy Spirit? And I would submit it's the Holy Spirit. It's what it says. One and the same, the Spirit gives these gifts just as He, the Spirit, wills. So the gift that you have is given to you, not because you want that gift, but it does suit you very well. But He gives it to you because the Holy Spirit, who knows all, omniscient, all-powerful, says, you get this one. And you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So He has a will. He has a mind. Romans chapter 8, verse 27. The mind of the Spirit. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. So any, anyone here who's trying to interpret this as a, as a prayer language, like tongues, you're, you're, you're messing up with Scripture. You're reading something into it that you can't get out of it. It's called eisegesis instead of exegesis. You are reading into it instead of gaining out of it. This text says the Spirit of God that's in you will intercede with groanings that are ah. There's an A in front of the word tongues, which means without a sound. What this means is the Spirit within you, when you're wretched with anguish or pain or you don't know what to do, this verse says... The Spirit comes inside of you and He's there to help you. And when you don't know what to say, because of your availability and your humility, the Spirit just takes over and says, He don't know what to pray. Let me take over. And that's why your prayer life is such a necessity. Even when you may not know what to pray for or who to pray for, you're just making yourself available. You're in Scripture. You're reading it. And and you're thinking about a problem. You're thinking about an individual. And the Lord says, hey, Let me edit your prayers for you. And he makes them right. That is an amazing ministry of the Holy Spirit. But he goes on to say, and the one who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. So the Spirit has will and the Spirit has mind. And then thirdly, the Spirit has emotion. Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. So let's talk about two functions of the Holy Spirit of God. So you're a Christian, and it's like you've made this decision, and he just puts this spiritual super glue all over you, and you're stuck, man. You're there. You are cemented into the kingdom and eternal life. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to make God reject you. You are His. You have been redeemed. Your sins have been placed on the cross. His righteousness has been given to you. You are a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. And He has sealed you. Therefore, and He fills you. Therefore, don't grieve Him. Don't don't do the things He doesn't want you to do. He's called the Holy Spirit which describes his nature. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't like unholy things. And it just doesn't work. Uh, Have you ever, I was talking to a guy this week, and he said, man, my truck got messed up because somebody put gasoline in my diesel engine. 
And I've never done that. I've never owned a, I had a diesel. Remember, remember the Volkswagen Rabbits? Remember those? I had one of those, that was a diesel. And I was told, don't ever put gasoline in a diesel engine. What will happen? It's not good. It'll gum it up. You won't go, right? You can't do nothing except spend a lot of money at the mechanic shop. You have to get, you have to overhaul the injection system, basically. So when you and I, as Christians who are full of the Holy Spirit, and we put things in us, or we go observe things, or we act in a certain way, we think in a certain way, it's like grieving the Holy Spirit. It's like putting gasoline in a diesel engine, or it's like putting sand in the gas tank of a gas engine. And putting sand in the machinery of life causes things to grind to a stinking halt. Christian, when you are trafficking in the things in the thoughts that grieve the Holy Spirit, you come to a stinking halt spiritually until you confess. But let's look at the text. So do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So when we were in Iquitos, no, no, no. We were in uh, Cochiquinas. That was that village that had maybe 250 to 500 people. I couldn't count them all. But when we got there, we learned that there were 17 girls and one boy from the village who took a boat to another village, and they end up watching this, this program. There's something on the Internet that was very, very demonic. It was kind of like a computer Ouija board. And they, all of them, got demonized. In America, we call it what do we call it? Possessed. And you know, you hear these things. Go, yeah, right. Well, here's. It was so. Uh, it was so out there, and it was so obvious, obvious that they shut the school down for two weeks. Because how do you have school when you have 17 of the students that are demon possessed? And some of you are saying, "Oh, we do it every day. It's okay. We have school anyway. We just, <laughs> we just go with it." And then there was one church that was trying to deal with it. Um, you know, they watch, they hear these crazy preachers say things, and so they had everybody in the church doing weird things, and it just was nonsense. They had watched The Exorcist, and that's where they got their theology from, you know, it's just stupid. And so we were able to minister to the community, <clears throat> particularly one particular church. Now, we never got to see the girls for some reason, and, and the one boy, we never got to be around them, and we were really looking for an opportunity to minister to them, but it just, it, it, we would ask, and they'd say, we're going to try to find them, and they never could. I don't know what happened to them but here's the point and this is real this is listen this is for real and, and, and you're in this game you're in this battle for real and you either, either believe and you live according to the truth of what we've just read of the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of you and his mind will and emotion and all of his omniscience and omnipotence and all that he is, is is at your exposure and at your convenience. It's baked into your soul. And so we engage these things and we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And you'll see next week what all he, he can do and how we can engage the Holy Spirit in our daily life and it radically changes you. Let me ask you, <laughs> Do you want the Lord to change you? Or are you just satisfied with life? Do you love the pressures? And how are you doing, by the way? 
How, how are you doing with anxiety? How are you dealing with depression? How are you dealing with relationships? What about your future? Is it exciting or is it depressing? And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is in this room now to cleanse, empower, and guide. And so don't walk out those doors as though he doesn't exist or that he's a subject out of a book that you hear about, but he's alive and he's well for you and for me. Can anybody hear me? Let's do something about it. You want to? Bow your heads. Father, thank you for your life and your love. Lord, we confess we're just people. We're just, we got bugs and we got history and we got past and we got confusion. But Lord, we pray that you would take all that we are and you would cleanse us and you would use us. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here who doesn't know you, they don't even know where they'd spend eternity if they were to die right now. Lord, might your love come crashing into their heart. Lord, you who are gentle and so precise, Lord, might you reveal to, the, to, to us, to the one seeking, that we are sinners and that Jesus came to solve that, to take away our guilt and take away our pain. And Lord, for you to come and take over. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say no to self and sin and we say yes to you. If you're here this morning and you just want the Lord to take over, then just ask him, say, Lord, just show me if there's any sin in my life to repent of, any bad thoughts, any negative thoughts, any bad attractions, any negative attractions, and just cast them at the feet of Jesus and say, forgive me. Come into my life and make me new. Just spend time with the Lord right where you are. Confess any sins. If you've been kind of weak spiritually, just confess that. The Spirit will begin to intercede for you and empower you. You might say, you know, I think I'm doing good spiritually and I'm growing, I'm being challenged, but I've got this thing. It might be physical, it might even be financial. Might be relational. <coughs> Just give that to him. Say, Jesus, take over. Just say this. If that's you, just, just pray this. Say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but whether it's good, whether it's bad, I will have you 100%. That, that passage in Peter. It was written to the chosen rejects, those that were running for their lives. People were coming after them with swords and torches and fire. And he said, you are the chosen of God by the foreknowledge of God. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be sprinkled with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just receive that. He's all you need. Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Glominas Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org.